0: Welcome to Harco meets Humans. I'm here with Jeff Newton from New Zealandia music. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, that, yeah, real good. That's the one radio sounding bit, and <laughs> <laughs> we pretend we haven't been talking before this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, yeah. I was just saying, I've been super excited to talk to you about this because um, New Zealandia music is kind of this. I don't know. It seems unique in a sense where it's one of those institutions that it's almost like a requirement for everyone to have an opinion about. Almost every aspect of what it does. Yeah. And yep. whether it's good or bad. And it kind of seems to, those conversations all, tend to happen almost without you guys being involved at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and as someone who, who, who really like um, hangs out in those conversations and talks to those people, like in, in those conversations, as well, it's, it's always, um, I've always been super curious as to hear. From someone within, kind of like what your perspective is, and also, um, I think answer some of the more simpler things. Yeah, sure. Um, and I just thought a really good way to start would, would just be to like explain, yeah, what New Zealandian music actually is set up to do, and from from, yeah. from your point of view. So, right. if, what does what is New Zealandian music's role in the New Zealand music industry?
1: Well, so, I mean, New Zealand On Air was set up in 1989 to... Basically because it was getting cheaper and easier to buy content from overseas. Content is in... Television shows. uh, But music fell into that as well because it was easier just to... Bring in a uh, bring in an American artist or an Australian artist rather than spend the time trying to uh, develop a New Zealand based artist. So um, you know back then the artists that we had were the ones who were developing themselves pretty much. You right. know the ones who came out and could already you know in terms of All Blacks they were the ones who could already kick pass tackle and and play the game of rugby. You know so that that's what we had. Um, so it was kind of, the. it's officially we are about the creation of content uh, of New Zealand stories and New Zealand voices for New Zealand audiences. Mm. Uh, so music comes in under that. It's about uh, the creation of music for New Zealanders made by New Zealanders Mm. Um, and over almost 30 years of New Zealand On Air, New Zealand On Air has been through a few different iterations of how the funding for that goes out and and in what manner Um, and, you know, it hasn't always been perfect but um, yeah, I think after twenty 27 odd years, twenty eight years we've managed to settle on something that works pretty well for the music industry now. Mm. So what when did you join New Zealand on the air? Uh, I joined I always this is always a good question for me because. My middle child was born the week after I started. Right. So. so she's nine and a half. Oh, cool. So nine and a half years ago. And when you
0: kind of came in and um, kind of surveyed the landscape, in New Zealand Aneia, uh nineteen years ago, what, uh, what was, back then, what was kind of the main issue that, or kind of hole in New Zealand music that um, you guys were actively trying to
1: Develop or or tackle it,
0: it, does it, or or does it not work like that? Is it kind of a bit more um, general than
1: that? Yeah, yeah. When I came, like, so when I came in 2012, I started February 2012. So when I came in, uh, I was at EMI before that, and that was the period of all of the record labels downsizing, there was no money in it. Everybody was torrenting and downloading and there was no money in streaming. Streaming was was brand new. Mm. Spotify were only just coming into the marketplace. Apple was a new thing. People were still trying to get their heads around iTunes. Um, and because of that, there wasn't a lot of support four New Zealand artists and it was a real time of everybody just chucking shit at the wall and seeing what stuck and then everyone leaping on that until it didn't stick anymore right and then leaping onto the next thing and it was a real kind of environment, the environment there was people were only signing for singles, people were, were, were uh, real big for a single and then they couldn't follow it up with that single and so we're having artists kind of pop into the chart and then literally disappear again straight away. And uh, there was kind of no longevity behind anything. Uh, and then probably about six years ago, The, we kind of hit that balance where people started making money again out of streaming royalties, made largely the labels, but that meant that they could then take on artists and actually put them in studios with producers and actually spend time letting them write shit songs to get to the good ones. Right. Um, and doing a bit more of that A&R. Um, And because that happened, also there was uh, a young girl you might have heard of called Lord. (laughs) happened and she was also, because everyone was like, oh my God, she's so underground, she happened overnight and it was kind of like, yeah, it was the biggest record label in the world and it was four years of development, that people were like, oh, maybe there is something behind actually stepping back and actually taking some time to develop artists and actually let them write songs, write bad songs, write good songs, mm. work with various people and, 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 and develop those tracks. And that's, you know, that was kind of the turning point where we, we were, you know, radio airplay was at an all time low. You know, there weren't a lot of artists. Getting songs played on the radio was really hard. Um, getting people to go to shows was really hard, getting people to engage with New Zealand music was really difficult. Um, we've always done at the top level really well. Mm. We've always had like really big acts. But the health of a music industry is the depth of it and we were pretty, we were good at the top and then real shallow from there on.
0: Yeah, I've... Talk to a few people about that. That's how I see, kind of see it as well. As we have, it's it's quite easy to recognize that the 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 top of the top, we almost like over overdo, um, yeah. like like o- overperform what we even should at the top. Yeah, yeah, totally. A- and I personally really feel that at the grassroots level as well. Mm. Like, are, we, are the grassroots um, bands and band scenes that are happening? Um, I think a really higher quality than they have any right to be as well. Yeah, totally. And, but and so I, I de- but I definitely see that big middle ground in between. And yeah. I guess that the term what you've already kind of talked about is that is, I guess the um, area of development.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Well, this is it. Like it's, I, I always use this analogy because it kind of rings true to me. I'm actually not a great musician. Uh, I didn't grow up doing music. I actually come from a sporting family. Um, So I always use this analogy because it it makes sense to me, but everyone I use it with always gets it. But we're looking for all blacks. Super rugby player, you're getting music played on the radio pretty regularly, Mm. you know. There was a gap between First 15 and Super Rugby, you Mm, know, that kind of senior club rugby, kind of ITM cup, that level. In the music industry are those people who were – real good at school and were kind of had come through rock quest had gone to music school and they were coming out with uh, with tracks but no real support around them to uh, help with production and songwriting and promotion and the process of releasing songs yeah um uh so <laughs> There was none of that then. So uh, w- one of the things when I first came in to New Zealand 9 air was to try and help facilitate, the, you know, the upskilling every, every everybody around so that we could fill that middle ground, mm. which we've done pretty well now. You know, there's been um, the producer series that Greg Haver does and um, friend of the podcast, Greg Haver, yeah, uh, and AprSong Hubs. Um, See, that's another thing as well that's really brought the standard of what we do up. Like we did, we did index very high at our upper level, mm. but then it dropped away. Whereas now we uh, have filled in those gaps because before. It used to be, you know, all our songwriters were kind of real individuals who kind of went off and locked themselves in their way in their room and they wrote their songs and they did it all themselves. Like, you know, Neil Finn and Bick Runger and, uh, you know, um, you know all, all those people from kind of the early 90s and the late 80s and that, where they did it all themselves. So collaboration wasn't a big thing. Whereas with song hubs, we've developed that skill. Mm. Where now we get people are understanding that writing and working with other people, you know you learn things from other people when you're writing music with other people, you know, and you kind of hone that craft. So our songwriters have learnt off of each other to create a higher level of songwriting across the board. Mm. Um, and that's been one of the ex- probably the one of the things I'm most excited about right is n- now we don't just have, Uh, a few at the top who are able to do it consistently. Now we've, through the, you know, almost Captain Planet, you know, through our powers combined, now we've got lots of people who are writing together, writing songs for various people, and that's brought the songwriting for everybody and the performance levels and the recording levels and the production levels of everybody up, and that shows through the... uh, Anecdotally, through the, you know, through the the more artists we have creating music, but actually statistically through the fact that we've got the highest levels of New Zealand music being played on commercial radio ever. Um, Some of the highest levels of New Zealand music being streamed on the streaming services ever. Um, You know, so it's, yeah.
0: In terms of, I I think the development one is really interesting. If you were, if say there was a... um, Like a high schooler, a 16, 17 year old. Yeah. And they're doing um, whatever they need to be doing at high school. And and you were sitting down with them, and their question was I hypothetically say I have the potential to be Lord. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to believe that that's true. Yeah. And they just want you to essentially map out what that develop, what, what that like pipeline from, a to B to C to D from a high school person being developed to Lord. Yeah. What w- would you be able to tell me what exactly you would um, say they should be aiming for at each time? Like, what's your, um, in terms of like your uh, uh, personal ideal
1: view on that? Yeah, that about, pipeline that, would about be? that person developing. Yeah. Well, firstly, the first piece of advice i give to any 16, 17-year-old kid who comes to see me, and I do see a lot, It's, I guess uh, one of the advantages of doing the judging for the National Final Rock Quest every year. Shout out, to Smoky Rock Quest. And you see all these kids coming through, and that's kind of like, in that, back to that rugby analogy, they're your first 15 stars, you know, they're yeah. the kids who are playing for the, for, you know, they're the ones who are coming through. Um. My first piece of advice is that at 16 and 17, they're usually still living at home. Mm. So the very first thing they should do is is abuse that support from their parents and spend a lot of time noodling and getting playing their instrument, whatever they're in, – well, if they're playing keys, then play the keys a lot or get, play the gat a lot. Uh, but also write songs, like get really prodigious about writing as many songs as you possibly can and get as much of the crap ones out of the way as you can so you can actually work out what you do. Uh, Then I would uh, suggest that they find uh, people to work with. And when I say people to work with, it's good to find a, produce, someone who can produce them and work with them in their songwriting and actually producing songs in a studio environment to get them to a, uh, you know, where they end up with a product, you know, which is a recording of a song. Um, but also with peers, actually with other people their own age and actually, because that's where the, that's kind of where the the community around artists comes from is when they write with other people, you know, uh, you know, come for you, coming from Dunedin, you know, when you guys coming up, there were a bunch of other bands who were kind of like you guys who were a part of a scene that you guys were in and mm. you got the scene attracted crowds and people came to and became a part of that community and kind of writing with other artists helps foster that. It will give you other bands and other acts that you can put shows on with to attract a crowd, to come and see you play live. Uh, And then the other thing is play gigs, like get out and actually play shows, you know. Even if it's got to be covers at 16, 17, it's quite all right to go out and do 100 covers gigs in two years, you know. Go out and learn the craft of playing shows and learning how to... Move people when you play live, because that's a massive part of it, and it's it's a it's a skill that needs to be learnt. So um, yeah, those that's kind of my advice to to them at that stage, uh, and then work on the, the you know making the very best song that they can. Yeah, uh, it does come always come back to the song. You gotta
0: have a, the yeah. You can't do anything without the good song.
1: Everything comes back to the song. Yeah. Right. And you can put all the resource and all the money and, you know, I mean, record labels get it wrong. They put hundreds of thousands of dollars behind one song. If the song's kind of meh, it's still not going to go anywhere near towards, you know, getting any of that money back, mm. you know? Um,
0: there is another, There's, I think there's another stage in... In development in New Zealand, that I see a lot of bands kind of. I wouldn't. I've called it a a ceiling before, but I don't know if it's necessarily a ceiling. But it's a a lot of bands that get funded in um, new music tracks. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are the kind of bands that you'd consider like more alternative in any one of their genres. Mm. And maybe they're bands that are getting. Quite often um, played all the time on the student student radio network. Yep. they're probably selling out places like Whammy, mm-hmm. um, and maybe they're tr- maybe they've got a little bit of interest. Maybe they've been played on Hawdaki or something else like once yep. or twice. Um, and it tends to be a quite a, uh, that that tends to be a point at to which a lot of bands or artists tend to collect at. And yeah, and in terms of that kind of track, like a a band that's kind of I know it's a bit of a weird time to be in that spot because um, I guess at, at one certain answer to that is like, oh, it's time to go overseas and go touring mm-hmm. um, and try and reach different markets. Like, And I, I, it's it's a bit unfortunate that that's not completely an option right now. But yeah. I know there's a lot of bands and artists that have been kind of, not stuck, but they hit there and they're like, where to next?
1: Yeah, 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 sure. Oh, look, man, at the end of the day, the thing that, any band needs man the tangible thing that was going to, is going to break through any ceiling mm. that any band may hit is the weight of audience right you know that's all any like in, in the music industry in the music business you know that's what it is it's a business uh companies radio stations record labels management companies booking agents promoters all they're interested in is A, their bottom line and B, the audience, right? Now, for instance, no radio station is going to make money because they play an artist's song on the radio. It's actually going to cost them money because they've got to pay a royalty on it. But, uh, so, you know, they're not going to play a band or a song because it's going to make them money. So the only thing that you, you're left with is affecting the audience. And if you can affect their audience in a, in a big enough way, then... They'll change the sound of the radio station. Lord is probably the best case in point of that, in the sense that she, before Lord, what was pop music? It was David Guetta, it was Calvin Harris, it was Swedish House Mafia. America was in this DJ revolution, and it was all about house music. And then this girl comes along from Auckland singing about, you know, her generation and what they relate to in a real kind of alternative folk pop kind of way and then pop music literally changed overnight to where now pop music is you know lord broods the lumineers became a pop, you know a big on pop stations um but troy Sivan, billy you know billy eilish you know if you if if universal had walked into Uh, the edge, say, and said, look, here's our new artist, her name's Lord, she's going to be massive, he would have gone, get out of here, I am not going to play any of this. This doesn't sound like anything else in my radio station, this doesn't have an audience. Six months later, his audience are banging the door down of the radio station going, we want Lord, give us more Lord. So they changed the sound of the radio station to fit Lord because that's what their audience wanted. Mm. So... For any band that get to that point where they're like, I've got as far as I can get, it's about the audience and trying to generate more audience. If you generate more audience, man, then everybody else is going to come along and get on board. Mm. Um, so if you've kind of topped out doing what you're doing and you're not getting any more audience, then maybe you need to look at what you're doing, you know, and try and do something that's going to generate more audience. You know, and that's not necessarily about changing style of music or 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 any of that thing like that. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> generating audience comes down to making people make an emotional connection with your music. You know, that's what it is. You know, that's what we're asking the audience to do is to listen to something and feel something. So, I mean, it's real easy for me, a talking head bureaucrat, to sit here and say, just make music that ma- that moves people. Mm. But essentially that's what it is. You know, it's real easy for me to say it. It's super hard to do, but that's kind of what you gotta do. Right.
0: I, yeah, and I, I I agree with that for the most part. Like. Mm. And I think there is a lot of trouble. I think bands and artists have a lot of trouble right now in this age as to the what the awareness and effectiveness of the tools that are presented to them in terms of what actually gets an audience going. Mm. I, I'm not necessarily certain that things on a screen actually create connections between bands and artists. They might raise name awareness. This is just my opinion, but yeah, yeah. they, oh, look, I, they no, make I'd it agree a name out there, but I don't know if you can really super, it, it takes a rare personality mm. to create a kind of content that can be th- through the medium of a screen that a fan can really connect to. Um, and for me, the main places uh, that people really actually build connections with bands is, is live shows, venues. Definitely. Right? So I kind of wanted to ask you, like in terms, with that view of, of the role of New Zealand On Air being um, in essentially the development space and in the pipeline space, Yeah. Um, where, where do like... With with rent prices going, house prices going up, mm. you know, people moving in venues. We've seen lots of venues drop off, but it's very hard for new ve- new venues to pop up, yeah. especially in the regions. Mm. Um, is is this a grow? Is do you, has New Zealand identified this as a problem in terms of actually developing an audience? Like, how would would, would that ever be something that you guys would ever look into as part of the development process in some way or is that someone else's responsibility?
1: Uh, yeah, it's someone else's, like. Right. It's what we do is in our name, New Zealand On Air. Right. So we're about broadcast and broadcast outcomes. Our actual name, New Zealand On Air is actually a trading as name. Our actual name is the New Zealand Broadcasting Commission. Yeah, right. So our mandate is getting songs on the air. Uh, that kind of industry development, kind of stuff, and that's you know there are there are places that are working on that. Recorded music have some work going on that. The music commission have their new touring fund. That's you got to have venues to tour in though. Yeah, well, this is the thing, you know. But if they are able to tour venues, that gives the opportunity for there to be venues, and you know, if people are looking for venues to play. But this is the thing, man. Yeah. It, is, it is a. You know, I just feel it, like that's it, kind of, it's going to come down to councils, you know, yes. understanding the value of of music as well. It's kind of falls right outside New Zealand on ears mandate. It kind of seems like it falls between the cracks of all the New
0: Zealand like New Zealand uh, Music Commission. The, like, who's going to fund venues? That's not in mm-hmm. anyone's mandate. Yeah. No. Well, it's it's
1: yeah, it, it is a problem. I'll do give you that because. As someone who puts on showcases a lot, we are running out of venues. You know, it's like oh, we used to go to this place, but that's gone, and then we, there was a place, and that's gone. Yeah. So it, it is an issue, um, but it's kind of something that's out of our control, and it's it's kind of more in the realms of, uh, you know, the council. City councils and and yeah. county, uh, uh, regional councils and that kind of stuff coming up with the, you know, seeing the value in an arts precinct. Much like they do in Brisbane with uh, Fortitude Valley, what's that? Oh, so in Brisbane they have an area it's called Fortitude Valley, and there's actually by bi- basically it's a that's the music precinct, and they have like literally it's like. 40 music venues within like a three block radius
0: yeah it's funny because anthony metcalf always brings up the fact that whether we're a city of music we're like an official yeah. unesco yeah. thing and it's just like okay well what is that why can't we, can't we leverage that with some kind of council body or something to actually get something done but
1: yeah yeah and, and the council are actually a part of the the steering group for the city of music and i do i do know they are talking about those things but I mean again it's the venues are a business Mm. and you've got to find the people who are willing to put the money into opening a venue and taking the punt on the fact that people are going to come into venues to watch live music you know. Uh, Unfortunately we as a community in New Zealand have not always been great at getting out and supporting a lot of Acts in live venue situations largely because I don't know that we a know it happens, but b that that, that there's a I don't know I don't know, it, yeah it just doesn't seem to be a big thing for the mass of New Zealanders to go and pay money to go to a gig.
0: Well, it's because gigs are headlines going on at
1: eleven pm. Yeah, yeah, well, that oh. one's pretty easy. Oh, but people go to the pub at eleven am, uh, eleven pm. Yeah. You no, know, the problem part of it, I think, part of that is, is that people will go into a pub because it's free and spend nine, ten, eleven bucks on a beer, but they'll have struggled to pay twenty bucks to go in a band that they might like, and then still pay the same amount, same amount for a beer. So it's that. Yeah, but
0: if we, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I there's
1: agree. that. I, I guess there's that thing of like um, trying to educate the wider population into the value of live music and experiencing live music. Well that
0: was a big Greg Haver point when he was here. He's he that's his whole thing that like that's the education of of people into the culture into yeah. and 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 building that thing, which I completely agree with.
1: Yeah, and, and that's been a hangover in New Zealand for years and years and years and years. There's but there's always been this almost a bit of a cultural cringe factor like with with some New Zealand music by by you know. Um, but see, the problem is, is like for us, we're out there going, yay, New Zealand music. But if you go to uh, the average person on the street and say, what's your favorite music? They're not gonna say, New Zealand music. They're gonna go, I like hip hop or I like rock or I like something like that. They're not gonna go specifically, I love music from New Zealand. You know? So it's, mm. it's about educating people in the fact that we have uh, as good a music industry as there is in the world, uh hands down we're as good as Australia with 20% of the population um, so for every band that every person likes you will find a New Zealand uh, alternative that is just as good and telling uh, stories that will relate to you as a human being mm. in a much more in a much stronger way but it is that whole point of educating people people yeah. and people understanding that there is that opportunity for discovery of music in New Zealand.
0: Well, that's the thing, because I grew up in Timaru. Yeah. And I think there were two gigs my entire high school thing. I got to see the Electric confectioners after they won Rockwest. Oh, yeah. And I think I got to see Deja Voodoo. Right. And... And I was someone who was buying and buying one of the two NME magazines out of Wickles every week when it arrived in Tipperary. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, so like, right. I'm already hardcore into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just that I think that has played into a lot of my like. I just don't. Not only do I think I have a I have a thought that essentially the advice to a Timaru musician or a Geraldine musician or mm. an Omaru musician is essentially move to a city, because you don't you, you, again like you. For all, for all the things that we have identified as development, they are, they are essentially physical things mm. that you have to get to know, not necessarily know physically the people, but you're just realistically, mm. the way the system is set up, I don't think you actually have a chance in Timaru, in a sense. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, no, look, man, I, I, I tend to agree with you because, you know, we have, re- our population's quite, city-centric, and unless you're in the places where there is enough people to support a community. You know, have you seen, have you a fan of the Foo Fighters? Yeah. So have you seen the Sonic Highways, Mm -hmm. the documentaries that came along with each of the songs? The one thing that resonates all the way through all of those, you know, there's the Seattle one, the Nashville one, you know, the New York one. They all, all of those bands that came out of those cities came out of a scene or a community that in New Zealand we have like creating real vibrant music communities in a place like Timaru is real hard because you just don't have the population to drive it. Yeah. So um, it's not to say that there aren't plenty of talented musical people in places like Timaru but having the populi- population around to really drive a, a career in making music yeah. so that you can monetize the things that you do so that you can live happily in Timaru and make music is really hard because you just don't need the people. So you do need to get – you do need to think more globally. You know, you got to think more about the whole of New Zealand and therefore – and then – Outside of New Zealand, I think if we
0: nationalized Smoke Free Rock Quest and made that the NCA music uh, curriculum <laughs> yeah. and, and essentially turn every high school into a school of rock where some people do the bands <laughs> but some people are doing lights and some people are doing stage management, then and send bloody, you know, wax w- chattels around the country to scare the shit out of some high school people, <laughs> I think you'd, you'd, you'd get a 10 yeah, years' look, time, you'd have them all caring.
1: Well, this is it, you know. That's I I actually do believe that there is that, that Rock Quest is a real big part of helping these kids yeah. to understand that there is a. It was all I had in Timaru. Yeah, yeah, but the thing, but the, there is a real, uh, there is a real drop off. One of the things we've noticed with um, Rock Quest is that kid, a lot of kids get into music as they go through Rock Quest. It's a cool thing to do as a teenager, but then they kind of get to the end of high school and then it's they think about university and those kinds of things and we see a massive drop off in kids girls especially mm. there is a huge drop off of kids that they stop doing music at the end of high school and they, they don't kind of carry on through but there's a massive drop off of, uh, in girls especially so uh, it's actually uh, yeah. trying to show that there is a pathway for these kids if they want to pursue music or a career in the music industry that there is that pathway through totally. because uh, there are there are uh, moves, but I know that there are uh, sections of the teaching community that are trying to create uh, NCEA credits. I for, mean, the teachers
0: you see at the Smoke Free Rock Quest finals and things like they're the they're the good ones. That, totally, man. Yeah. And
1: and you know, I've spoken with some of them, and I've kind of been helping out with a few of them and uh, trying to push the uh, the Ministry of Education to actually letting kids who do help out with, say you've got a Rock Quest band, actually having one of the kids from school manage the band, mm. and but they actually get credited, NCA credits for doing that. You know, the kids playing at Rock Quest get NCA credits for, because that's, Getting to the national final, man, it's a lot of rehearsal time. It's a lot of songwriting. Oh, it's yeah. a, you know, it's a lot of lugging gear around, setting gear up, taking gear down, putting on shows, organizing shows. You know, that's a that's actually really useful skills yeah. that these kids can then take through. So I know that um, the universities and music degrees are getting a, a little more industry focused as well. Um, but it's actually getting those, showing the kids that they come through you, high school that there is an opportunity to, to continue doing music.
0: Yeah, and that's that's I find that anecdotally very true because I've worked doing MC work with Rock Quest and I've mm. done Band Quest stuff as well. Yeah, right. And Band Quest, which is the like uh, intermediate yeah. school one, it's it's there's almost more girls. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and you can just see as the ages go up and you get to the um, the like heats and, then, and the finals and, and look at the like um, older and older bands, they just get more and more boy dominated, which is yeah, yeah. really interesting. We actually had a talk about that the other day. Um, I do, do you know the band Darts from Wellington? I do know the band Darts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they, I had said that you were coming on and they um, they had a question and you actually mentioned showcases. Yep. and they actually had a question about showcases So shout outs to darts that I did want to ask yep um, uh, duh, 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 duh. where is it um, what what are what are the express purposes of the showcases that you guys put on and and how like is it purely for the industry and and uh, the, which I guess showcases are mm-hmm. but what would a successful showcase by a band at a New Zealand On Air um, showcase kind of, um, uh, what what would happen after that? If they if, if it was, in, in the best case scenario of a band coming into a showcase, what what should they be hoping or working towards getting if they're in that situation? Oh,
1: look, in that situation, so those showcases are basically put together. They they were originally called radio showcases because they were right. basically an opportunity for uh, acts who were... Trying to get radio airplay to actually perform in front of these the radio programmers, the right. people who are actually making decisions about. Because at the end of the day, most people don't don't know this, but when you turn on the radio and you've got some dude telling or some girl saying, "Hey, this is blah 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 by so and so," that person actually actually had no say over that that song being played right then in the playlist. Mm. There's usually, uh, each radio station, there's usually a two or three-headed monster. It's they're the music team and they choose the music and then they schedule the music. It's actually a bit of a science around scheduling music and programming of radio stations. But those there's only like 20 people mm. who are in charge of pretty much all the playlist. you know, 90% of the radio playlists Uh, in New Zealand so um, they were set up to basically because those people generally don't well then certainly back when I started they didn't go to shows you know if darts were putting on a show you wouldn't get any of them going thankfully we're at a period now where um, the attitudes of radio programmers has changed where they are all fans of New Zealand acts and New Zealand bands, and a lot of them, their favourite actors and New Zealand act. Um, but they go to gigs and they go to see these things. But back then they didn't. So the showcases was about giving uh, those radio radio programmers an opportunity to stand in front of a band and see them play and get a context for the band, an idea of the band, and about what they were about and how they played and. And like we've been just been talking about before, to see them play and to be moved by them, you know. Mm. So that's that's what it is. A successful showcase for for from our point of view is that somebody turns up, one of those programmers turns up, sees a band play, and goes, "I'm going to play them on my radio station." And generally, our showcases will have. Of the four acts, at least three of them will have at least one programmer come out going, I'm definitely playing them. Right. And to that, that's a, to us, that's a successful outcome because mm. it's in our name, we want things broadcast. Right. Right. And um, so getting songs in front of people, uh, you know, and, and letting people discover new music so that they can fall in love with their new favourite Kiwi band.
0: In terms of radio… Rnz Youth Channel.
1: Yeah, what's happening with that?
0: Does that is that something that like do you feel that is uh, an important thing uh, that that do, do do you feel like there's a gap? It, I think that there's that it an opportunity. Yeah,
1: I think there is an opportunity. Uh, largely because I think it'll open the doorway. See, at the moment. And it's always been there. It's, a lot of people have this, uh, in fact, Penny, penny Black. Shout out, Penny. She, 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 she used to, when she, was on our, when she was at BFM and she was on a uh, few of our funding panels, there was always this space between commercial and student radio where there were these really amazing acts, really good acts, but they didn't fit in one side and they didn't quite fit in the other as well and it was called The Void. And Penny used to call it The Void FM and she always had this really funny kind of, uh, whenever something's like, oh, it falls in The Void, she was going, The Void FM. (laughs) (laughs) And if someone started a radio station, that's what it should be called for all those acts that kind of fall in the gaps. That's where I think something like an RNZ station would actually pick up on those acts that kind of kind of the, the big name acts that require that could do with a bigger audience that are only getting played at student radio like Troy Kingy, Reb Fountain, Nadi Reed, and give them that extra kind of platform. But I also think it's it'll give an opportunity for newer, younger, up-and-coming acts that don't really fit in the student radio world but don't really fit in the commercial radio world, much like your T-shirt there, Daffodils, (laughs) you know? They were a classic example of a band that were too uh, alternative for commercial radio stations and then too shiny for... You know, almost they were too good for um, for student radio, not lo-fi enough. Um, So I I think there's an opportunity for that, and I think that they um, that there's an that that youth network could coexist.
0: Do you think there's things that it? Do you think there's things that it has to get right
1: to succeed? Oh, yeah, it's the same with any with anything you know there are it's going have to work, it's going to have to nail its product and nail it nail it properly. I think using triple J as a as a, as a blueprint would probably be a pretty good idea for that. Um, I'm interested to know how that would impact the student radio network. Um, but thankfully, we you know, thankfully, a couple of years ago, we were able to put some protections in place on the funding for those for the student radio network so that they're not as exposed to market forces as they once were.
0: Yeah, well, I would say that what we said before is that, like, like we said, when we said the top always does really well, yeah, we associate all the commercial radio stations with the top, we ad- yeah, we associate. Some of the more higher functioning institutions as well. Mm. When we say the grassroots is going really well, that is the student radio network. I don't think that that's going to change. You know, the the, the absolutely. They're they're not the, ones look, even putting on the they play sixty
1: percent New Zealand music yeah. on the regular. You know, the, you have a look at the uh, Radioscope charts. You know, if you have a look at the airplay charts, there the alternative chart, the al- alternative top 40, 36 of those will be Kiwi songs. Yeah, you know, on an av- that's average. You know, some you know during Music Month, it's forty out of forty songs are Kiwi songs. You know, That's very true. so um, yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I, I think there is a very important place for the student radio network, and God love them because they do expose some great New Zealand acts to niche audiences that that will not be serviced anywhere else. Which is why. Uh, there was in, internally there was a bit of uh, you know there was a bit of a, a fight for them to pre- to protect them because um, you know they were suffering to you know market forces meant that they were struggling to get advertisers and and to keep their heads above water so um, you know uh, thankfully there's some protections in place for them now so that they will su- they will survive. But I think that they could coexist with an RNZ youth station and then with a commercial station. You know, I do think that there is a space in the middle between student radio and commercial radio that a youth brand set up by someone like an RNZ could coexist with everybody.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of... I think it's the again. In terms of New Zealand, is struggling with that middle ground, development pipeline, whatever you want to say it, mm. because of market forces. Yeah. Um. You know, I th- I think it's not only music. I think it's very clear in media as well. Um. In terms of yeah. print media and digital media, you've got yeah you've yeah music's not alone in that. Mm. Yeah. So I would really agree. Um, I wanted to switch. The other thing I wanted to talk about is the tr- new music. Track well the tr- the tr- single funding yep. track funding yeah yeah because I was one of the very lucky ones who essentially like I uh, two cartoons started at the same time that the scheme started essentially yeah, yeah yeah right yeah and I think we got funded in maybe the second ever round right yeah yeah it. okay purely purely because of Scott Muir like had his finger on the pulse of what was going do on music so
1: you, com, shout out go and do it and, you know
0: yeah um and I think it's really great um I think that. The the, the the one thing I wanted to ask you about is I don't know if New Zealand bands are very good at, like you said, we don't have many people who are actually good at developing themselves naturally. Yeah. And, and I, I would also add to that I think our society or our culture right now is quite... Uh, um, Intense in terms of like how much people are actually having to work in this economy to actually pay rent and mm. do all these things, and mm. and then they get home from all those things and they have to try and not only write songs, but then also fuck. How do I, you know, build an audience, or how do I do all these things and get people to me? Like mm. I, I think it a lot of I was talking to Anthony Tonin on this podcast about this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, oh no, Anthony. Sorry. Um, James Mill Lawrence. Oh, Arabia, yeah, 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 About how a lot of the Responsibility for marketing has been shifted from um, uh, entities or other institutions onto mm. the artists themselves, yeah. and how that's just created a greater workload. Um, yeah. In terms of how we fund, say, say, like the creation of music videos and all these things, mm-hmm. I've always wondered if, if it's if New Zealand bands and bands in general are finding it so hard to build these um, bases for themselves to attract. People to, to watch the content they're creating. Mm. Is it, it, have you ever thought that siloing, because essentially we're paying, you're, you're, you're allowing a band to essentially make their thing and then put it on their platform and, and just trusting that they're going to build a good enough platform that people are going to see it. Has, has there ever been any conversations about reversing that in a way and building and funding the platform? To that's a centralized platform that then everyone funded goes onto. So there's one place for people to see it. Like, is is there been discussions about essentially the the uh, organisation of where everything is is showing?
1: Uh, yeah, not really. (sighs) So you're talking about like a creation of a a Spotify or a YouTube that that we put. Basically, but I'm
0: uh, like uh, I'm actually kind of thinking it, for me the closest thing we have in New Zealand is, is almost the TVNZ on demand for for like um, small uh, video creators and film creators like Kura and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where you can kind of go to TVNZ uh, on demand, and there are a bunch, a selection of up and coming mm. um, visual creatives creating their thing. And I just wonder if there's ever been a discussion about actually creating a platform that. New Zealanders can build an association and an expectation of I can just go to this one place and I'm going to get served a bunch of these things in a more specific area because I know I've been, just to keep it to me, like Two Cartoons was not in in a big stage of our career, especially when we're getting funding. We had no clue how to actually build an audience, which I'm not saying Mm. there isn't more support for there now, but... yeah. Essentially, like we were struggling to get people to watch the quality that had been funded to produce, mm. um, and I, I just see that being like, especially in terms of, there is a lot of quality. Like Oscar Keys is down, so he was, he's yeah. making incredible um, mm. music videos, and a lot of people like, like Ezra um, uh, from Earth Tongue, yeah, and just if some of them are not going to be seen by a lot of people, mm. um, just purely because. They're not good at this one other aspect of running a business, essentially.
1: Yeah, look, it's it's a tough one, man, because you can Sure, you could build a platform. Uh, we did build, we did create a uh, kind of like a portal that we called All Tracks a few years back, mm. which was kind. We were trying to do that, right? But essentially. People go where they go to find what they want to find. Man, they they will, and so they they go to Spotify or Apple, and they go to YouTube, and they they go to the, these platforms. And actually, trying to draw people away from those platforms, these big global platforms that have um, uh, pretty much everything that everybody's looking for, to come to another platform just to find something that's from New Zealand is actually it's actually really hard to do. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we tried creating something something that would facilitate that and and it ended up kind of being a bit of a waste of time because people weren't people just weren't going there because they they could just go and find what they wanted on Spotify. Mm. So yeah, it's it's kind of like a rather than try to get people to go to one point, we just try and make great stuff that sits where they are at already. Mm. Uh, And then helping to give people the tools behind um, uh, achieving that being discovered. Mm. Um, One of the things, a couple of things that we have built into the funding round. So if you're a first time recipient of funding now, that you do get, we do pay for two hours of mentoring with the MMF, right. so you can go and see one of them, one of the music managers, and sit with them, and uh, they can, you know, give you advice on where you can go and what you can do and who you can talk to and yeah. some of the things you may not have thought about.
0: I know fr- friend of the podcast, Lavina got got that when she got funded.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then we've also got, we've also now just recently built in a professional services um, so that we it's uh, it's basically 500 bucks um, to go and spend two hours with someone who can give you advice. So, you know, we've got people who who will give advice on marketing and promo um, licensing, on project management, on um, if you want you can go and see, uh, you know, we'll – you get advice from a lawyer or from right. an accountant, or you know, to actually help you set up that business part of your of what you're doing. Um, it, it is it is a grind mm. setting up your own stuff. I think the advantage to that is that you will, if if you get a sense of what it's like to. S- have, you know work out what your accounting needs are, work out what your legal needs are, um, how much marketing is going to cost and what marketing is effective for how much money you're going to spend on it. If you do that at the start, when you do get to a point where people come in and start doing that stuff for you, you kind of know what to expect from them. Um, so you're kind of a bit more equipped to know whether someone's ripping you off or not. Uh, you are more equipped to know if someone's doing a good job or not, and a good job for you and your your act, or or uh, or whether they're you know not doing anything at all. Because I just saw you guys. I don't know if it was the
0: first video. It was the first video I saw with um, the the new video series you guys are posting. Oh yeah, with Mikey Carpenter? Yeah, that was. I it's great work. I think that's exactly the kind of content that mm. is really going to help. Musicians. I think that's what they're ultimately, and to bring it back to kind of the like we referenced the conversations around New Zealand on air. I mm. think for me, when I look at a lot of them that go on and the ones I participate in, I, th- I think a high percentage of it is actually stuff that essentially comes down to either like misunderstanding or miscommunication. Yeah. And do you is it do you guys have conversations about communicating with musicians and with the New Zealand pub uh, not public but with the people who are trying to interact with New Zealand on air um, uh, yeah. uh, in, in effective ways
1: yeah yeah oh look man like it's always it's interesting because We've. it's always, it, in the nine and a half years I've been there, and my understanding is before that as well, it's always been a pretty open door place, you know. Mm. If you, know, you want to come and see somebody, send us an email and say, I'd love to come in and talk to somebody, I'd love to get some feedback. And we're always like, yeah, man, sweet as. Coming and see us, yeah. You know, even even you you you've been been a part of that, and that was you? really helpful, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's always been there. and A lot of people were like, "Oh, uh, I didn't know I could do that." It's kind of like, "Yeah, man, look, totally." Because at the end of the day, <laughs> more artists making great music and build and finding more audience is good for us. You know, that's you know that way we can go back to the government and say, "Hey, look." Give us more money. Yeah,
0: is there uh, that, that just reminds me of another darts question? Is um, they were uh, and I think a few people would would like to know. This. For you, like personally, mm. what are what are like some young New Zealand acts or like up and coming New Zealand acts that you personally are like um, connected to in, in a sense of like excited by? That that that, that you oh. yourself would would like to see like do really well. Oh, sorry to put you on the spot yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> see, the thing is, is man, I'm like. You know, I'm a fan of music. I am a... I have, an, a, a, have a, uh, an affinity to roots, reggae, dub music. It's always been my thing. It was something my dad played a bit of when I was a kid. Um, so I've always had an affinity to that. So I always uh, am personally on the lookout for... Young or not even young, you know, just real good, unheard of, kind of roots reggae type bands. Yeah, right. But I am a lover of music. So um, it kind of spans genre and I, I am excited by, uh, oh, well, it's, it's an interesting thing, man. From a work point of view, I'm excited by anything I th- I think I can make successful, I think anything I can get on the radio, anything I think I can help find an audience, I'm excited by that, I'm excited by working with those, and then there's the bands that excite me personally, and the ones that I were really like to kind of listen to on a personal level, um, so, I mean, for, for that sense, I mean, I love 660, I love LAB, I love Ray, I love uh, Troy Kingy. Um, uh I, today I, one of the great things about my job is i get to hear things before they come out i've just had to listen to the the upcoming rib fountain album album that's coming out in october that's amazing you know uh i' was really enjoyed two cartoons when they were around in their day as well you know so it's uh, i just kind of uh, you know it's uh, all of them you know I. Have a genuine uh, love of great songs, regardless of the genre, and we do it really, really, really well in this country. You know, you go back two hundred years, and they were sending all these, all, they were sending all the pickpockets and the, the thieves and the murderers to Australia. And they find this other set of land just off to the side of Australia and say, let's create the new England. And they send all these liberal thinkers and artists and all of these people down to New Zealand. And those people mingle with a, the race of people already here who have music as a very basis of their culture. Like if you go into the paipai pai at the marae and you have, a, you have a kōrero there, what do you have to do? You've Got to sing a song, you know. What's the biggest singing contest in New Zealand? It's Matatini, you know, the Kapahaka Nationals, mm. you know. So, if you put those two things together, fast forward to today, music is an integral part of our DNA in this country, which we do it so we do it very, very well across the board, mm. and I. And, and uh you know, it's now it's now it's a matter of kind of developing those people yeah. who have that natural ability into seeing, you know, the monopoly not the monopoly, but the, the kind of lolly scramble that is the music industry, because there are a lot of people trying to do it and only a few really succeed at it, that um it's worth a go. True. Um, do you know Zane Lowe? I <laughs> Look I hung out with Zane Lowe Quite a bit When he was in a band called Urban Disturbance Right <laughs> uh, And then uh, I was at a party one day And he was leaving town To go to London And then that's the last I've seen of him Right But I certainly know who Zane Lowe is And what he does now I would
0: I I've If some I've I feel like we need an Apple radio uh, arm or like at least a show for New Zealand on Apple radio. As I, Leaping Tiger, Jacob, he got me onto Apple music. Right. I love it. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things on there is the Matt Wilkinson show. The right ra- well, the radio things. I find a lot of new music through listening to radio. I find it yeah. really good because it's again, it's integrated with the streaming app. So if you're yeah. like, What is this song? It's as if you're streaming it at it to play us, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. We need totally. to find someone who can get to Zane Lone and be like, Bro, just give someone a show. Like it's uploaded to the internet. They don't. They can yeah. just do it anywhere. Yeah, anywhere.
1: yeah. Oh, look, and you know, see, the thing is, is we are starting to, you know, you, the the digital internet revolution is kind of slow. It's been a bit of a slow uptake in New Zealand. Do you New feel like it's hitting a-, a bit of like Liam
0: Finn is now making an album on Twitch? Yeah. For me, that's kind of a, a sign that it is. It has crossed some kind of. Yeah, look, it's certainly,
1: we've come a long way. It's actually, Mm. it has actually become a thing where, uh, you know, one of the fastest growing segments of the New Zealand marketplace that is turning on digitally are older people. Interesting. Yeah, so up until like two years ago, you could literally not get anyone over 50 onto a Spotify or an Apple Music or something like that. Right. Now they're turning on in droves, you know? So it's something that we are slowly moving towards, you know? Yeah. Um, smart speakers. Still not a big thing in New Zealand. Massive everywhere else overseas, you know? It's We're kind of slow adopters in, for mm. some of these new technologies. It does seem that way. And But we are... Getting there, yeah, you know, and so there are some people, you know, early adopters who are like, "Come on, people, let's go." we this is how we do it now, yeah, and and, and um and the, the 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 mass of people in New Zealand who are not we're not really as a as a race of people or, or as a nation of people we're not really super quick to jump on the new thing, yeah. We we quite like things to prove themselves before we get on board. Yeah, true. We like to we like to you know we like to hang with the winners. We yeah, like to yeah, know, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know. So it's it's uh, yeah. So it's we we're getting there, but those we are certainly becoming more adept at doing those things. Yeah. Um. So, but I we I think we're in a in a bit of a renaissance at the moment. Like we are getting way more music, you know, away. We've got. Uh, way more acts successfully internationally mm. uh, who, yeah, who are successful internationally um, we've got way more acts than we've ever had at any other stage who are signed to international labels um, who are able to go and do shows internationally um, you know we've got way more acts who are able to make a living out of making music mm. you know uh, we're understanding the revenue streams and uh, being able to work out how you can make a living from those things, which has been a real. It hasn't been that viable for a lot of people for a long time. Now we're getting more and more and more people doing that, um, so it's it's you know it's becoming. Uh, we're in a kind of a renaissance now where we're getting uh, a lot more people coming through going, oh, this is actually a viable option for me rather than I play guitar but I'm going to go and learn to be a lawyer or an accountant or an engineer and I'm going to build bridges and then play guitar on this, you know. You know, totally. Yeah, I mean, I probably for every new kid I get, I've probably got uh, uh, who emails me asking for advice. I've probably got uh, another fifty-year-old guy who has been an engineer for for, for, for for twenty-five years, but always wanted to be a guitarist, yeah, and right. now he's like, I'm finally getting <laughs> back. In. I'm finally getting back into making to playing my guitar.
0: Um, one last question. Sure. Um, you looking at now, or looking towards the short-term future? What's the biggest challenge for the New Zealand music industry, or 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 maybe New Zealand on air, that you would like to see that you think needs to be maybe dealt with, or will be the thing to um, to really battle with in the in the coming times?
1: Uh, uh, I look, I I think. One of the things that I'd like to see uh, more uh, more girls follow the pathway into the music industry and creating a more diverse music industry, so that we have more females coming through uh, and gender non-binary uh, artists having the oppo- feeling like they have the opportunities that boys get, because um, we are probably, it's probably a 70-30 split in terms of boys over girls applying, or or males over females applying for funding. Um, So um, I think that that can only be a good thing. Um, So creating an environment where uh, young females feel like they can be a part of the music industry, um, I think, is important. Um, but then also maintaining a strong uh, pathway for artists from the bottom to the very top, you know, and and it's it's it was it was a problem, and I and. You know, things within the music industry change and then people's revenue streams change, you know, and it, it, it will, you know, all of a sudden record labels won't be making money out of this, so they'll stop investing in it and they'll move over here and they'll start doing this over here, you know. And so I, I hope that we are, are still creating pathways for these kids that are coming through RockQuest uh, to continue on with their music career. Um, so that we still have those, those kids coming through that are creating new scenes, new environments, new communities uh, and that helps build a thriving music community because with that, that gives New Zealand On Air so much more opportunity to support more people but it also is good for... The good of New Zealand's human human you know, it's good for it's you know, music's great, you know, the arts is great. It's good for the it's good for the soul. It's you know, it's good for the hearts, the wellness, the being of of all people. So, you know, as long as we can make that thrive, we're all good.
0: I think that's a really nice way to end. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you so much for hanging out no, man, it's been great, I've really enjoyed it I feel like we'll have to get you back again at some point Because it's just, it's so much uh, Either that or a New Zealand On Air music podcast <laughs> Being started and then you can invite me on yeah, and we Sure, can talk sure, about
1: sure it. we can talk about
0: it <laughs> uh, Look man, if you, anytime you want me back man I'm more than happy to come back um, Yeah, do you have any Usually I ask if you, if you have any plugs <laughs> But is there anything that you would like to plug for New Zealand On Air?
1: No, um, no, no, not really. Just, you know, look, there's always been this expectation that people have, uh, uh, that, that radio plays 20% New Zealand music, which they are doing currently. It is fantastic. But uh, if people want 20% New Zealand music played on the radio, make sure you have 20% New Zealand music in your, in your music collection. Right. Do your bit. Get out, support bands, get out, go see bands, you know, yeah. engage with bands. Um, if you really, really like a band, um, listen to their music on Spotify, watch their videos on YouTube, like their stuff on Facebook and that's the tangible things that you can do for a New Zealand act. And they're all that very will, free. They're all very free, <laughs> you know, and but that's the thing. If you engage with these acts, you are actually giving them tangible things that they can use to advance their career in likes, views, shares, streams um, because that is the thing that shows audience that I can then go to radio, labels, management and go, this thing has an audience, Mm. you know? So get out. (laughs) Get out, engage.
0: I agree. Celebrate. (laughs) Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. (laughs) We'll see you again soon. Sure.